Would you like to see the roots of your Christian faith? Follow Jesus' footsteps and marvel at the places where biblical prophecy is unfolding? Well, you can this summer. Join me, Bill Bunkley, and Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold on our pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan. You'll learn Israel's history from our guide, Boaz Shalgi, prophecy from Pastor Yankee, and biblical teaching from me. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. to die that he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Every time you read the Bible, it's a living book and you learn something new and fresh every time you read it. And uh, I don't care how many times I've read certain passages of Scripture, I learn something else the next time. Because it's a living book. It's alive. Uh, this isn't like your regular history book and biology books and all that. This is, a, this is God's Word. And there's truths that are in this book that you keep discovering. Uh, there's some people who want to know the truth. There's some people who don't want to know the truth. Now, as you read the Bible, you will find out that it talks about Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air. It's called the kingdom of darkness. So his reign is the kingdom of darkness, and it deals with the flesh. Then there's the kingdom of God. And God says it's like it's a spiritual thing. Uh, It's seen only by faith. It's not seen with a natural eye. And so Christ says that the kingdom of God is here. It's, it's, It's unto you. So you have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And he says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You can't see it, you can't enter it, even though you're here, but you're not in the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Because it's a spiritual thing. But if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, you are already in the kingdom of darkness. And the Satan, who's the prince of the power of the air, he's already your king. You're already worshiping Him, and you're following Him, and you're obeying Him if you're not serving God. If you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. Like it or not, I don't care to make anybody mad, but chances are I will, because truth is very controversial, and it's very offensive. Just like the truth of the gospel is a very offensive message, because there's many people who believe you have to earn your salvation by the way you live. The truth of the gospel is, no, you don't. That offends All the people who teach, that you do. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? No, you don't. Do you have to give money to go to heaven? No, you don't. But see, there's some churches that teach that, so that offends them. The gospel is that it must be free and it must last forever or it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel is that it is grace. Grace means that it is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Christ paid for it. You accept Him. You go to heaven on what He did for you. Now, I want you to notice there in the book of Matthew in chapter 13... 
In verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. So we know that in this world in which we live, there are those who are the children of God and the children of the wicked one. The wicked one is Satan. When, when you were not saved, you were a child of the flesh. You were a child of the wicked one. You were in the kingdom of darkness. That's why it says in Colossians, we are to rejoice that we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. So while we live here, I am a child of God. I am in the kingdom of God. I'm his child. And though I have an old sinful nature in my old body, I can still see the kingdom of darkness. I see the wickedness in the world. I see all the sin in the world. And we struggle with the fleshly desires that we have. Christ says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man have the love of the world, then he cannot love God. So God says, you're either going to love this world, or you're going to love God in the next world. So which one are you looking for? Where a man's treasure is, there will the heart be also. But he makes a statement here in verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Now, I don't understand all of this and when everything is going to happen, but there is some things that I can tell you. At the end of the church age where we are, God is simply going to take us out of the world. So those who have trusted Christ as Savior, you will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, which could happen at any moment. Only believers get to go, and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and we go to heaven. We'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for what we've done. But the rest of the people will be going into the tribulation period, this period of time that's right ahead of us. The worst time in the world is right ahead of us. Don't you fall for no such thing as we're going to build a utopia in this world, and there's going to be world peace. It will never happen. It is not coming. That's a figment of the imagination, but it's not true. The worst time of all history, all human history, is right ahead of us called the tribulation period. Worst period of time in the world. But at the end of this period of time, there is going to be where God says he sends forth his angels and he has them with sickles in his hands and he cuts down the vines, he brings in those grapes and he puts them in a great big old valley and he stomps them with his feet and the blood will run as high as the horse's bridle. This is what God's going to do at the end of the tribulation period called the battle of Armageddon. There is going to be a process at the end of this period of time when Christ comes back in power and great glory and we will come back with him before he sets up his kingdom upon the earth. There is going to be a judgment of the nations or of the Gentiles. Individuals are going to be judged. They're going to see if they've trusted Christ as Savior, the righteous, the just, they go into the kingdom, into thou unto the joy of the Lord. Those who have not done so will be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible called it into a furnace. Now I want you to see this because it's important. In verse 40, and therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. Now, who are the tares? The tares are the children of the wicked one in verse 38. So Christ is the one who tells the story. He says, now at the end of time, he says, this is coming. He says, the tares, 
the wicked ones, the children who have never trusted Christ as Savior, are going to be burned in the fire. Now notice what else he says. In the last part of verse 40, And so shall it be in the end of this world. The word world there is aeon, or it means age, the end of a dispensation. There is going to be a judgment. There's going to be one here when he sets up his kingdom. There's also going to be another one at the end of the thousand years because people will live upon the earth for 1,000 years. And at the end of this time, God is going to once again, those who have not trusted Christ as their Savior are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, what I want you to see is this. Look in verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. In other words, God says there's coming a time when He's going to take everything in this whole world that offends God, and God's going to do away with it. He says there's going to be a new heavens eventually and a new earth, and God says wherein dwelleth righteousness, and no sin shall enter therein. Now, these are things that are coming down the road because God says that He's going to take this earth and it's going to be renovated by fire. Everything's going to be burned up. And He says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He said, I will be their God. They will be my people. He said, I'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is what's coming. Jesus is the one that said all of this. It's easy for you and I to be caught up in everyday life, be doing this and that and the other, and we lose sight of all this that God has said because we're worried about our hangnail and, you know, what we're going to eat for supper and, uh, you know, I've got to pay the bills, I've got to go to work this week, and that's our world. But what helps you to endure this world and stay faithful to God in the midst of all of these things that happens is what you know about what God says is coming down the road. And can you believe Him? And is it going to affect your life? The truth that we know here should affect us here. So the reason for knowing all this other stuff is so that I will do what God wants me to do with the time where I'm living. I'm here. Now what is my responsibility? Why am I supposed to do anything? I mean, what's the reasons? I have to know what's the point. And I want to know what is the will of God for me. But there's things in the Word of God that should challenge and motivate us. Otherwise, it makes you walk the straight and narrow way that compels you, motivates you. Always do right. Always do right. The devil is always going to try to get you to do contrary to what God said. And you cannot let human emotions rule in your life. You have to go, but what does God say? What does God say? If God says this is wrong, guess what? That's wrong. And don't have to take an opinion poll. What does God say? Now get this. In verse 42, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. And you ought to underline these words. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Fire. So God says there is going to be a lake of fire and brimstone where God is going to cast all those who have not accepted Christ as their Savior. You say, who's going to go there? If your mother hasn't trusted Christ as her Savior, your mother is going to the lake of fire. If your grandmama hasn't trusted Christ as her Savior, your mama is, grandmama is going to the lake of fire. And your granddaddy and your grandchildren are going to the lake of fire if they have not trusted Christ as their Savior. When they get to an age of accountability, that's why soul winning is the most important thing anybody can ever do in their whole life. See, a lot of people who know Christ as Savior, 
They don't care. They'll, they'll help a thousand ways, but they never talk to anybody about their soul. Where are you going when you die? Do you know for certain that you have eternal life? If you could know you could have eternal life, would you like to know? And explain it so people will trust Christ as their Savior. There is nothing more powerful than that message. Because this is a heaven and hell issue. Now get this. He says in verse 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, once again, understand what he's saying here in verse 43. See, the wicked are cast into the lake of fire. But the righteous, the Bible says, shall shine as the sun in its strength. And the Bible, another place, talks about it in the book of Daniel in chapter 12, as the brightness of the firmament forever, the stars in heaven. Because God says you'll shine as the righteousness, as the stars in heaven for all eternity. When Christ was here in the book of John in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. There's only two kinds of people in the world. Believers and unbelievers. The saints and the ain'ts. Either you are or you're not. You can't say, well, I've been a Christian all my life. Nobody has been a Christian all their life. There has to come a time when you're born into the family of God and you have to have the knowledge that you did it. I don't care what age it was, but you have to know that you trusted Christ as your Savior. Because what makes you think you're going to heaven if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior? You say, well, I've heard about that all my life. I know, but have you personally trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you actually done it? Have you said to God, God, I believe that Christ died. He paid for my sin. I believe He did it for me. I'm trusted, dependent upon Him to take me to heaven whenever I die. And God said, if you do it, He'll give eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven. There is no other way of knowing. There is only this one way, and that's by trusting Christ as your Savior. Now notice, he goes down in verse 44, 45, 46, talking about a pearl. But he uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now here's an example. Look what he says in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, and the field is the world. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, it's this picture of here's the world because the world is the field. And God so loved the, the world, and he's not talking about the dirt. It's the treasure that was found here. There's something that was in this world that caused God to want to buy it. And what was that? Well, with Israel, it was Ephraim. It was the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. When he talks about the pearl of great price, look there in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearl, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, gave all that he had so that he could buy the souls of everybody in the whole world. He made a payment that was sufficient for everybody, but only one condition. He wants every individual to accept what he did for them. That's why he says we have been purchased. We have been redeemed, paid for. You've been bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. God hath bought and paid a price for you and I. We are like a, a choice pearl that God says was so valuable and worth it that he says the whole world is not worth the soul of one man. The kingdom of darkness doesn't have any value worth the soul of a man. And that's why when you trust Christ as your Savior, He was willing to die for the world, but He was willing to die if you had been the only person in the world. And that's something to keep in mind. Now look in verse 47. 
Verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drug it to shore, sat down, gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So this is why some people think, well, you know, the good people go to heaven and the bad people go to hell. Well, it's really talking about the just and the unjust. It's talking about the righteous and the wicked. The righteous are those who trust Christ. The wicked are those who do not trust Christ. It all hinges upon what do you do with Jesus Christ. It's not talking about how you lived. It's talking about who you are, what you are. You're either wheat or you're tear. I was a tear, but when I trusted Christ, I became wheat. That's what I am. It's not what I do, it's what I am. So God says here in verse 49, So shall it be at the end of the world, at the end of time, the end of the age. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. Right now, we all live together. We have saved and lost in the same household. We have saved and lost at this job where you go to work and at the grocery stores. We got saved and lost even in churches. And you say, well, what should we do? Shall we pull up the, the wheat or pull out the tares? Now God says, let everything alone. He says, because whenever he gets ready, he'll separate the wheat from the tares. Look there in verse 29 of Matthew 13. We'll just start there in verse um, 28. Look in verse 28. He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. You say, done what? Sowed some tares. While the good men slept, somebody came in and sowed tares. Well, who is this wicked person? That's Satan. And he's sowing bad seed that's producing bad fruit, which is people who don't know Christ as Savior. He says in verse 28, He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. In other words, wheat and the tares look so much alike, you can't hardly tell the difference. And the Bible says, you and I are not to be the one that judges who is a Christian and who is not by what we see. You don't know if I'm really a Christian or not. You say, well, you're a pastor of a church. That doesn't make me a Christian. Well, you read the Bible and pray. That doesn't make me a Christian. Well, you try to do right, and you give money for missions, that doesn't make me a Christian. You see, I'm a Christian if I have in my life ever totally, 100% accepted Jesus Christ as my only hope of going to heaven. Have I done that? If I've done that, I'm saved. If you have not done that, it won't matter how religious you live. And it won't matter if you're a wicked person living a sinful life, doing everything in the book. You can still be saved and still go to heaven when you die. Now, some preachers tell you, no, you can't do that. Them preachers don't know what they're talking about. You can be saved, have eternal life, and you're God's child and not serve God and do everything wicked in the book and still go to heaven when you die. Is it the will of God? No, it's not the will of God. It's a shame and a disgrace. If you're a child of God, you should live like a child of God and you should act like a child of God. And you ought to do what's right because that's who you are. You are a child of God. Now, you ought to look like it and act like it and talk like it and live like it. But if you don't, it doesn't change the fact you have been saved, given eternal life on what he did, not upon what you did. I'm going to heaven because he loves me. Now, I should serve the Lord because I love him. 
There's got to be something inside of a man that challenges and motivates him and restrains him to do the things that he should do or not to do. But look what he says also in verse 30. He says in verse 30, Let both grow together, grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles to do what with them? Burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Gather the wheat into my barn. So there's a difference in the people. There's believers, there's unbelievers. There's righteous, there's wicked. And so God says, those who have not accepted Christ as their Savior, then they will be cast into the lake of fire, a furnace that they are in forever and ever. God says, those who have trusted Christ as Savior are gathered into the barn. These are those. See, he is speaking to them a language they can understand. This is how they made their living. But we have people today that can't understand. This is a parable. It means there's a story given, but a story that has other meanings to it. He spoke in parables because there were mixed multitudes. They did not have the personal indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help them to discern. So he spoke in parables and said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. That means those who want to know the truth will know the truth. Those who don't really want to know, they won't understand what's been said. And so those who want to know truth can understand, and they'll trust Christ as their Savior. And those who don't want to know the truth, all they heard, they heard a story. And you'd be surprised how many people can go to church. And yet you can tell them a thousand times, you don't join the church to go to heaven, you don't have to give money to go to heaven, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to change your life, and yet they'll still understand in their mind, you still got to be good to go to heaven. You still got to do something. It don't matter how many times you say, no, it's by grace through faith, it's not of it. And as long as you believe that you've got to do something, you've not trusting Christ as your Savior alone. If you think you have to do something, change something in your life, you're not trusting Christ. Your salvation does not depend upon Him. It depends upon you and you changing your life and your power and your ability. You still don't get it. And you used to have, still have people say, well, if, if you don't live it, you ain't got it. You don't understand it. Salvation is a gift. And yet I venture to say that the many times that people have been out here and you've heard me say these things, you still don't get it. And yet we'll grow along together. And one day there's going to be a judgment and God's going to separate the good from the bad. And what makes the difference between what's good and what's bad? The good are those who trusted Christ, and the bad is those who did not trust Christ as Savior. It is so simple. Now, look very quickly there in Matthew chapter 13. I want you to see this before I quit. In verse 49 of Matthew 13, he says, There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth in verse 50. He said, have you understood all these things? Now, I want to give you another one very quickly because we're running out of time. Look in Luke chapter 13. It is so important that you see it, that you understand it. It's got to make sense in your mind. Or you will hear these words a thousand times. They'll go right over your head. You'll never understand what I'm talking about. And some of you, it'll be so clear, clear as a bell. And some of you still be arguing in your, in, in your spirit inside. So I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You don't buy that. You don't understand that. You ain't going to heaven. I didn't make up salvation. I didn't design it. It won't be no skin off my nose whether you believe it or you don't believe it. I'm going to be hurt to see you go to hell. But I would hate to think that you sit here all these years, and you sit here and you listen, but you never personally, you never really trusted Christ as your Savior. 
because you still had in the back of your mind, I've got to do something. I want to be good just in case. Then that just in case, then that you, you just... See, Christ says this. It's not Christ plus anything. You might know Christ is sufficient, but you don't know that He's enough. He's enough. You don't need anything else. My salvation going to heaven does not depend upon me. It doesn't depend upon how I live or don't live. It has nothing to do with that. Because when I was 18 years old, the best I knew how, I knew I was a sinner. I believe Christ died and He paid for my sin. I'm trusting Him as my Savior to take me to heaven when I die. If I don't get to heaven, it's because He broke His word. He lied to me. He said, if I believe it, I have it. I have what? Everlasting life. I've got everlasting life. Now look here in Luke chapter uh, 13, look in verse 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Because the only way you can get in is through Christ. He says, When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and send to you, I know you not whence ye are. When he says, I know you not, that's not saved people. I know you not, these are lost people. Christ says, I know my children. You're not my child. It's not I knew you once and then you got lost and then I don't know you anymore. No, no, he said, I don't know you. What he's talking about here, it's too late. In other words, there comes a time when a man leaves this world, it's too late. In other words, you have all these opportunities, but there comes a time when it's too late. You can't go anymore. It's no more opportunities. They're all gone. And that's why a man should trust Christ as Savior while he can. Well, he understand when he sees it. Look what else he says. He says in verse 26, Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Ye depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And this is similar to what you find in Matthew chapter 7, where it says the people did all these good things. They did all these good, wonderful works. We cast out devils, and we spoke in tongues, and we did all these wonderful things. He says, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In other words, whenever you do all these good things and you're trusting in your good deeds to get you to heaven, then God says you're workers of iniquity. I did a work on the cross. You're supposed to believe this work will get you to heaven, not your works. We're not supposed to get to heaven by sending our righteousness up to God. Look how righteous I am, God. God said, I sent my righteousness down. You accept my righteousness. If God gives me his righteousness and I accept it, I am made as righteous as God. Now, get what else he says here. In verse 28, Then there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, who is this to? The people that go to hell. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and ye yourselves thrust out. Look up here. There's coming a time when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the Old Testament prophets, the saints, we're going to all be here during this period of time. And those people ain't going to be here. They can't go. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, knowing what they could have had, and they'll never be able to enjoy what we will enjoy for all eternity. And he says there in verse 29, And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And that day is coming. But think of how many multitudes of people weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, and a literal fire burning hell for all eternity. And yet, it didn't have to be that way. It's pride. 
Some people will never humble themselves and admit, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I will trust Him as my Savior. And people will die and go to hell rather than do that simple thing. And yet it's on the same level that everybody can have it. It's equal for all. Anybody in the whole world. And most people won't do it. And you'll have churches today, today, that are filled to the brim all over America. Haven't got the faintest idea about how to get to heaven. They don't know it's only through Christ. And they think it's because they went to church and they put money in the offering. And that's why they're going to go to heaven. Because they've been good. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.